Weird morning, right? If you're one of those in the camp that says, man, that Corey guy's annoying. Sorry. Um, a lot of Corey this morning. Um, not necessarily by design, but um, man, what a week. What a week around here. Just, just a lot of, a lot of good, um, a lot of uh, not so good um, in our eyes. Um, gosh, but as Lance always says, praise God, right? What a, what a good perspective. Praise God through everything. So we had a, we had a pretty good time on Friday at the Dempsey wedding. Um, our drummer is missing and married, and our, our little bassist back there is missing and married. And um, so uh, thank you guys for coming up and, and stepping up. we got some new faces helping out. This is really exciting. We're transitioning and, and uh, adding extra help, so that's pretty cool. Um, but what a, what a good celebration. Um, the Dempsey family this week has been um, just kind of chilling and um, sitting back and relaxing, enjoying some family time. Not so much. It's been a crazy, crazy week. And um, so I wanted to come up here this morning and, um, and share with you guys. We are continuing to move forward with, um, as, as Chris just spoke about, is this on-mission um, document. We had a really good town hall meeting last Sunday at the church office. So um, those of you that made it um, were able to kind of be there, and, and we had some really good conversation. We had a bunch of missing faces, um, and that's just how it is. You know, town hall meetings, we want everybody there. We want all perspectives. We want everybody who's a part of Family Bible Church to be there, and it just doesn't work that way. Um, there's a lot of things going on, and um, so we missed a lot of people, but we had some really good discussion. And um, so Chris is right, you know, we're continuing this discussion and moving forward. Um, but uh, the, the main thing about this on-mission document, which um, I'm going to be kind of, you know, sharing another aspect of today, is that um, we're calling this a discipleship tool. And I think a lot of the good that came out of that meeting is we had some good conversation, and actually um, I learned a lot as we talked. And my perspective kind of came around as we talked as well through just the wisdom of the people that were sitting there. And that's what's so cool about, about being together and journeying through something is um, it's this beautiful experience where, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. And, um, and it's not always a pleasant experience. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, um, you know, we, we talk about how iron's made. It's not this beautiful uh, process, um, but we're sharpened through it. And, uh, and it's so cool just to be able to journey that out with you guys and really be able to talk and, and um, you know, have honesty amongst one another is pretty cool. Bye, Blast. Anybody else? Yeah, you can go too. All right. So sorry about that. Um, but uh, you're excused if you're in Blast. There we go. One more straggler. My bad. So, um, so anyway, so what we're doing this morning is we're moving forward. Now, Bill has been talking about um, kind of on mission. I don't, have my, uh, I don't have my announcement sheet here. Hold up your, um, your, your connection card. Is that what we call it? What? Help me. Engagement sheet. Thank you. So there it is. So um, what does it say on the front? It says next steps, right? So Bill's been teaching for two weeks on this. And I'm going to be real honest with you guys. I don't even know what he's been talking about. I got little glimpses here and there, but two weeks ago, I was camping, right? Is that where I was? Did I miss that one? So I was camping in the middle of July. That was fun. Um, I would have rather have been with you all in here. Uh, but we were camping, so I missed it. And I, we were at family groups, and we got to be there. And family groups, if you've got three small boys, um, it's great to be there. And you get to eat after everybody else eats most of the time, unless uh, my wife is so generous to let me eat. And then you just chase boys a lot of the times. So I don't always get a chance to really engage and know what's going on. So I'm like popping in and out. And, and then last week, we were in nursery, which was an, an awesome time. I almost had a blast, but that would be confusing. It was fun. And uh, we don't have a cutesy name for that. We ought to think about that. But we had a great time as a family in nursery. And then family group was the same thing. You know, I was kind of in and out. And, you know, we got kids here. And, and then I spilled my coffee. And I have to clean that up because I'm like a kid 
connected to. And so I really didn't get to engage fully in what's going on. So this is not part three in a series that's been carefully crafted and uh, orchestrated between me and Bill as we have sat down and joined together to make week three the finale. of This is, this is what's on my heart. And that's, I think that's what I told you guys last time, that when I, when I have an opportunity to, to, to teach and to, and to speak with you guys, usually I just share what's on my heart because that's, that's where the Lord's working. So my, uh, my goal here this morning is just to share some of the things that are on my heart and um, as we continue to journey through being on mission at Family Bible Church. So what we're going to be talking about this morning is we're going to be talking about unity. Unity is something that I believe is very critical to our organization. And we're not going to talk about unity this morning based off of a unity of the, the Big C Church. Now we could have a sermon series on unity in the Big C Church. So all of the different... Uh, community groups all around and all the different churches all come together under the big C church, as we call it, the capital church, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Those who are, who are trusting in him fall into this category. Um, even those that, that can't even make it to church, they're still in the big C church of Christ. Now, we can talk for hours on end about um, you know, the problems with the unity. Well, you know, this church does this, and this church does that, and they don't join together, and, uh, but we're not going to talk about that, that this morning. So you can kind of take a moment, think about that, go, yeah, there's, there's some issues there, yeah, we need to work on it. And then what I want you to do is I want you to just kind of divide that, and I want you to set that aside for a little bit. Because what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about unity within this little church right here. Because I think that Jesus is talking about, um, while he's talking about the church in general, I think that it applies to our, our little church here at Family Bible Church. And um, I'd like you to uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of John. That's where our, our main text is going to be this morning. And turn to John chapter 17. I think Bill was so kind to maybe throw a slide up there. I don't have the clicker or anything, so you guys will have to throw that if it's available. So let me get there too. John chapter 17. So if you would, if you would bow your heads with me, um, we're going to go to our only source, um, the only reason that we can get up here and teach, the only thing that gives us authority, which is God's Word. And... Um, I want to pray together before we enter in. Father, we love you, and uh, we give you praise for the morning that you've given us. Um, Lord, as we get uh, an opportunity and a privilege to be here in the same place, uh, Father, with, with one mind and one heart, I pray. Uh, Lord, that we're here for, for so many different reasons, so many different purposes. Um, we're all so different, uh, but we gather here this morning, Lord, as I, as I tend to pray under, uh, under the banner of Christ, uh, that, we've, uh, that we're able to come um, under the salvation and um, the privilege that's given to us through, through salvation in Christ. Lord, um, as we journey this out together and walk through this passage, Lord, I pray that your word would speak and um, that you would be glorified through it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So in John chapter 17, um, I don't have my fancy Bible with me this morning, but my fancy Bible, John chapter 17, is in red. Any of you have red words right there? Anybody have a, a little more fancy Bible? All right. So we know that the words uh, in red, I guess a lot of people think are more important, and I guess they, in a, in a way, are. They're from Jesus, but we truly believe that all of Scripture is God-breathed, and um, so they're all equal. But uh, it's cool that it draws it out in red because we know, hey, you know, this is, this is Jesus speaking specifically. And a lot of times Jesus is speaking, he talks to specific groups. You know, he's talking to, uh, you know, the woman at the well, or he's talking to uh, this soldier, or he's talking to, um, you know, this, this group of uh, religious leaders. And um, this is cool because uh, John records Jesus's prayer um, to the Father for us so that we're, we're seeing exactly what's going through his mind and what he's praying for before he's, uh, before he's crucified. So right now, um, they're in the garden, and you remember the story. Um, he's, he's here, and he's praying, and the, the Scripture tells us that he was uh, just really travailing through prayer. 
Um, if you can imagine, you know, where Christ was at, it wasn't just that he knew that he was going to die, um, but he knew he was going, going to become sin. Like, that's completely different. That's huge. And he's just really, he's really struggling through this and, and uh, showing his human side. It says he was sweating. Um, some, some translations say he was sweating blood. Uh, some, transla- some translations say he was um, sweating um, as if drops of blood, you know, large, you know, s- large beads of sweat coming down. Not sure which it is, but he was just really, really um, struggling through this. So he prays for three things. And the first thing that you'll see at the beginning of the chapter, um, it might have a heading there, says Jesus prays for himself. Um, so he kind of gets that out of the way, and he's going before his father saying, you know, here's, you know, here's the things that I'm asking. Here's the things that I'm, uh, that I'm uh, concerned with. Uh, it sounds weird, right? Uh, he's, you know, he's Jesus. He's the creator, but, he, but he's human as well. He was 100% man. So he prays for himself. The next section there starts in verse 6, and it's uh, Jesus prays for his disciples. So he's praying for the men that he's been discipling, the men that have been journeying with him day in and day out, walking with him through all of these things. And he kind of lays it out and says, you know, all these things about, um, you know, here, here's what I ask you, Father, to do for these, for these men. Um, and, and really, you know, disciples, he was, he was discipling an even larger group. And I think that speaks directly to that. The area that I want to focus on is verse 20 through the end. And this is cool because this says Jesus prays for all believers. And so the neat thing about this passage is this is Jesus praying for me. This is Jesus praying for you. This is him specifically spending a moment with his father talking about us. That's kind of important. So let's, let's listen up. I'm going to read verses uh, 20 through 26, and then we're going to break down a couple of them as we talk about unity, because I believe this tells us why, one, that Jesus believes that unity is critical, and two, why he believes it's critical. So join with me in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, speaking towards the disciples. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? What is their message? What is the disciples' message? The gospels, that's right, the Bible, right? Their message that goes forth. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me, uh, those you have given me, to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have, made your, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Man, isn't that, isn't that powerful? Like, that's, that's a cool passage. I've always loved that because, you know, it's, he's really talking about us. And I think that it's important to realize that right before Jesus is hung on the cross, uh, the one thing that he picks out of all these things that he could do. You know, Jesus could have said, you know, Father, I pray that they follow the law uh, to the letter. I mean, he he could have prayed, uh, Father, I pray um, that you give them blessings and riches and wealth beyond their wildest dreams, that they may live the most uh, amazing life on earth possible. You know, it's open-ended, fill in the blank. He could have asked for anything. But what Jesus is asking for is unity. And I think that that's really critical. 
And as we journey through this together, the, the cool thing that I got out of the um, town hall meeting was a lot of conversation about how we're interacting with one another and not necessarily how we are interacting, but how we should be interacting. And, and as you, as you kind of read through these, through, through these tenets of the on-mission statement, like if we do these things, that's going to be awesome. And that's not to stand up here and say we're not doing those things because there are some people in some instances where this is happening and it's a beautiful thing. But just imagine if all of us join together and say our desire, same as Christ our Lord, is for unity. That would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. God would be honored. I don't even think we can fathom what it would look like if we walked through the tenets of what unity really is and really lived out the New Testament where we have all of these, um, all of these examples of how we're to behave with one another. Uh, we talk about it multiple times, the, the, the document that I think, I think we, we gave it out at one point or, you know, we've talked at, at an LT meeting, we, or, or not an LTA, a town hall meeting, we gave out this document that was one another's, and it's, I don't remember how many, Bill, do you remember how many one another's there are in scripture. It's like, you know, 50 or what is it? We'll call it 59. You're smarter than I am on that kind of stuff. So 59 times in the New Testament, it says uh, something one another. So it says uh, love one another, um, uh, be kind to one another, build one another up, greet one another. There's all these different things. And it's really cool to read through that and go, all right, I'm doing that. No problem. No problem. Oh, wait a minute. Ah, that one's tough. Ah, nobody's doing that for me. I mean, these are these are tough. And our goal here, like I said, it's a discipleship tool. What we want in Family Bible Church and what I believe that Christ wants in this little church here in Highland, Illinois, is for us to be united as one in the same way that he and the Father are united in one, as one. How do we do that? Uh, I really feel like we could take this passage and we could settle in here and we could really dig through this and really figure out exactly what he's saying here because that's a tough statement. He says that all, in verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So I see two things in this passage um, that tells us why unity is so important to Christ. What, is the, what does that bring about? What, is that, uh, what does that draw out of us, out of our little group here at Family Bible Church? Um, what is the purpose? Because it's easy. I mean, we can't argue that. Jesus wants unity for those who believe in the message of the disciples. That's us. So look, look with me again in verse 21. I just read it. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Ready? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, so I think that one reason that Jesus is praying unity is so that the world would believe. Now, how does that happen? Let's say that this, this little community here is walking these things out. Let's say we're really loving one another. Let's say we're really united. Uh, now, that doesn't mean we all believe exactly the same thing and, and our hearts are exactly the same. We're all very unique people. But let's just say that we are united and we are loving and serving and caring for and calling out and, and, and really journeying through life together. What that does is that paints a picture to everyone else that's outside of here. That also paints a picture to people who come in here. You know, when, when a new person walks in who may not even know the Lord and they walk in and they see, you know, this person bickering with this person and then they come in and somebody says, hey, hey, guess what? This person over here, stay away. They're a mess. You don't want to know them. But this person over here is good. Now, what is that, what is that going to tell them? They're going to come in here and they're going to go, oh, okay, I this is just like everywhere else, right? Okay, good. So these people sit on this side, these people sit on this side, and, uh, and there's kind of the, the divide. All right, I, I get this, I can do this. But let's say they come in here and they see this beautiful picture of unity under the heading of Christ. That preaches all by itself. That preaches love. That preaches obedience to his word. Take that outside of these walls. Uh, let's say here at Family Bible Church, somebody leaves. Let's, let's call on uh, Ryan Kramer. 
let's just use him because we all know Ryan. Let's say Ryan uh, is in this church and um, uh, Ryan is journeying with Family Bible Church, uh, but man, there's just no unity. And he's hanging out in the deer stand with, uh, I don't know, let's call him Tom. He doesn't go here. He doesn't know the Lord. And Ryan's going, man, I'm so glad I'm in this deer stand and not at church this morning. Uh, that, the coffee's good and there's donuts, but those people are horrible. And I am so glad. This is just refreshing to me. I just love being out here and being refreshed because, man, there's just there's no drama in this deer stand. You know, if you say something that offends me, that's okay because I'm not going to talk to you for a while because I'm looking for deer. I mean, it's, it's good, right? And now, now if Ryan uses that to continually put down the body and put down the body and put down the body, what does that tell his friend Tom? That tells his friend Tom, this, this, is, this is the same as everywhere else, right? There's nothing different here. We're just a group of people that are hanging out. Family, Bible, country club, right? And I'm not bashing country clubs. That's just like the common, the common you know, community group. It, if Family Bible Church is the same as a country club and the same things happen in there um, and the same dynamics, uh, I think we have an issue because we're to be united under the heading of Christ. Now, on the flip side, if Ryan is able to say, man, uh, I really miss being there. You know, man, I've got this group of guys that I'm journeying with, and I just, I just miss them. It's been a couple weeks, and I miss them. Um, or, to be, or to be able to call out anybody else, to be able to say that we are doing this together, and, and there's like this empty place inside of me not being here that preaches Christ that preaches, uh, that, that even opens up the door to be able to preach even more, to be able to say, man, we love because he loved us. And these people are loving me, and I'm loving them. I think that's a beautiful thing. Jump down to verse 23, and we'll look at the next example. He says, I, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. Okay, so there we kind of restate it again. He wants complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. And then the next sentence, and have loved them even as you have loved me. I think this is crazy because this talks about, uh, in another version it says, uh, in perfection. This isn't just like a general unity of everybody's, you know, kind of together. This is like a perfection. This is like how it is exactly supposed to be done. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. So basically to let the world know that Christ is who he says he is. To be able to say that Christ is not just this awesome man that we sit around and talk about because he had some really good teachings. This is that God sent him, that he was God's son. This is, this is the, the salvation, the gospel message of why Jesus came and have loved them even as you have loved me. So the last thing I want to share about that is uh, I think that he wants unity so that those in the world will know that he has loved them even as, as God the Father has loved Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's pull out that middle phrase and, and say it again. It's so a second sentence in verse 23. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. So I kind of pulled that phrase out to make, it, to make it a little bit clear. God has loved, imagine Christ's love. God loved the Father for Christ. Uh, again, we, we can't figure that out. We can't explain that. We can't comprehend that. And he wants the world to know how much he loves us in the same way. And how does that happen? How does the world know how much God loved us? Through unity. Like we don't think about these things. Our unity is preaching to a lost world the salvation of Christ. The last thing I want to share um, right here, and then I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Chris uh, to come back up here, and he's going to share um, kind of the next step in this process, is, um, is in the church, we have to be able to we have to be able to um, express grace or to um, give grace to one another. We have to be able to give love to one another. And the thing about the church is, is we are to be uh, a community of people who uh, are Christians, who are walking with the Lord. 
And I think the most important thing to, to, to remember is uh, we have been given an unbelievable amount of, I mean, just think about, think about your life. Think about my life in all the ways that I have messed up and all the ways I've let down my Savior. I mean, we talked about this at the wedding. We, we can't do it. We are fallen people. We are sinful people. That's just how it is. But God expressed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace. We didn't deserve that. We didn't love him first. We didn't come to him and clean ourselves up and say, all right, God, now I'm ready. Uh, I'm in church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm singing the songs. Here we go. Come on. Now, now I'm ready. And he, he doesn't see that. He sees that as filthy rags. Everything we do, he sees as filthy rags, as Scripture tells us. And the only way that he can have a relationship with us is through Christ, the bridge to our salvation, our bridge to God. So we have been extended an unbelievable amount of grace. And now our, our job is to return that grace to one another. When someone does something that, that you think is wrong, we have to be able to be at a place where we've experienced the grace of Christ in our life to be able to go, you know what? I've been given so much grace. I will extend that grace back to you. Because if we don't, if our hearts tell us, get them, get them, get them, think we have a heart problem. Oh, I think we, I think we have a heart problem. I think I have a heart problem because I know that I want, I want people to pay and I want people, uh, I want to be avenged. But the Lord says, vengeance is mine. And that's where our hearts need to be. And if our hearts are not there, we will not have unity. We will not have unity. And, and our job of proclaiming the gospel to a dying world will be hindered through this little body of Family Bible Church. Chris, if you would, why don't you come? Chris is going to cover um, briefly on um, how, you know, how are we called to unity and what are kind of the examples that we're given in Scripture about uh, how we're to be united. It can be uh, kind of tough to be up here sometimes. And I, <clears throat> Corey sent out an email here Thursday or Friday late uh, asking any of the LT if they'd like to be up here. And I think it worked out in his favor here because he said, you know, five or ten minutes, Chris, if you can speak, that'd be great probably thinking that five or ten minutes with me, people would be begging to have Corey back. So that's what we're going to do here. Um, and like you said, I'm going to talk about a little bit about um, how we as believers can kind of care for one another and how we're to interact with one another. Um, and specifically, we're talking about the on-mission document. So uh, I, I had myself a, a busy weekend as well. Um, wedding Friday night, bachelor party Saturday morning, uh, vow renewal last night. So late last night, I was kind of going through this on-mission document and kind of pulling some things together. This document, although it was written by a specific team from this church um, and then later reviewed by LT, um, it, you know, it's put in our words, but it all stems from, from this book. And uh, so some of the things I, I wanted to pull out here um, for how we can care and interact with one another. In this document, we state, we are to intentionally commit to, encourage, and partner more deeply with others. We are to commit to love the church as Christ has. Lay down my life for my brothers and sisters. Strive towards unity. Seeking the interest of others above my own. Encourage believers. Share the gospel. Invite others. Invite others to approach me in love, offering, correction, and encouragement. And then finally, I think the last one I find was showing love. Um, so what I did last night was I tried to, uh, tried to get something going here. And I, I was talking about believers in the church. I immediately went to Paul. You know, that Paul had a lot of writings. He did a lot of writings and uh, wrote a lot to churches. Uh, church in Rome, Corinth, and then um, Ephesus. He's, I think it's 13 churches in total. Um, but 
what I first started looking at was Ephesians. And I went to, um, I went to Ephesians 2. And actually, I'm going to have, this is kind of going to be a little interactive here. So I'm, I might pass the mic out, actually, into the congregation if you'll help me out with some of these scriptures. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, I believe it was, uh, was talking about how God um, has a household, and we are members of God's household. And so I started thinking about uh, what that means, what a household has been to me in my life. And I've grown up, first 20 years I spent in the household of, with my parents, and uh, had many different roles, and that, even in that span, as you've got three older siblings, and you're the baby, and then you have two older siblings in the house, and you're the baby, one older sibling in the house, and you're the baby, and then all of a sudden, you're the only one there. Things, things were different. You had different um, roles growing up. Everyone does. Then I thought about my, my role um, going off to college and what that was. Went down to Murray State. Oh, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> was in a residential college to where um, we had academic and intramural things that we would um, kind of showcase. And we would have your roommates, your suite mates, your hall mates. A lot of different roles to be, to be had. Then after that, I came home and uh, had the role of being in my own household, I guess. I rent, but um, I have my own household, which the role now is listen to my wife. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it, there's plenty of different roles. And I, so I was, I was thinking back, you know, what kind of roles have I had? What kind of experiences have I had? And I just kind of let that sit for a little bit. This weekend, on Friday, we went to a... Uh, went to a wedding for, for Nathan Dempsey and Emily Dempsey. Is that right? Emily Dempsey? Right on. Uh, and uh, the scripture that Nathan and Emily asked that we would read, and I'm gonna, this is where it's going to start getting interactive here, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verses 9 through 21. And I'm actually going to ask uh, Lance if you can read this for me. 9 through 21 in Romans chapter 12. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans 12. 9 through 21. So one of the, one of the reasons I'm doing this is, um, like I said, this document stemmed from the Bible. This did not come from us. So as I wanted to speak here today, I didn't want these words to come from me. So I um, didn't have enough time to prepare, so I wanted to bring it straight from. Okay, Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, citing to what is good, or cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Showing love, direct God-breathed instructions. This scripture uh, talks about caring for one another. And I think it was so great that um, Corey and I didn't really talk about what, we, what scriptures we were going to bring up today, and I thought it was cool that you brought up um, some of the scripture I was going to talk about as well for, for praying for uh, our disciples, how Jesus prayed for disciples, and he also prayed for other believers. 
And actually, at this uh, wedding that I was at on Friday, um, got to sit next to a, a good friend, and um, he mentioned to me that, you know, he asked me how things were going, how things were going at work, and, uh, which is not uncommon, I don't think, from anyone. But he let me know that he's been praying for me. Not that he's just going to continue to pray for me, ask me how I'm doing, where my struggles are, but he's been praying for me. He's been praying for my wife. And uh, he's a believer, and, and he's, he's a part of this, this body. And I thought it was so cool that that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to be uh, not only accountable for ourselves, but for one another in unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to ask for anyone to read this, but um, you're probably familiar with it where it's talking about one body and many parts. I do want to ask somebody to sum it up if you can. What kind of um, summation would you give for this scripture where we're talking about one body that has many parts and we are different parts of this body? How would you kind of describe that? I think I would say that every part is interdependent on the other parts. If one part begins to fail, all the whole body begins to fail. If one part succeeds, they all succeed. Perfect. That's why you go to the pastor. Um, I think somewhere in there, it, it, I believe it's in that scripture where it talks about being able to, to build one part up. And in order to build one part up, it's also dependent on other parts. I started thinking about that. Um, as you can probably tell, I work out a lot. So I know, what are you laughing about? So I know what I'm talking about when you uh, <clears throat> build arm strength. Uh, stop laughing. This is ridiculous. Um, so I was thinking, you know, when I'm bench pressing every morning, it, you know, you want to build your biceps up. But in order to do that, you can't do that without your hands, right? Your hands are doing a lot of the work, but your hands aren't getting the muscle. They're building up your biceps. Same with many other parts of the body. While your ears can't see and your eyes can't hear, we're all dependent if you would turn to John, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, especially if your name is Marissa. It's toward the ends of the New Testament. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. If you claim to love God, you must love one another. It says so right there. You cannot do it any other way. We are a body of Christ here at Family Bible. We have to love one another. We have to show love to one another. We have to care for one another. We have to put others' interests above our own. Finally, Corey talked about unity. Um, and this one I'm going to read, but this is chapter 4 of Ephesians, in which I'm going to skip around a little bit. But this is entitled, uh, the first portion is entitled, Unity in the Body of Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1, as, an, as a prisoner of the Lord, which right there is awesome, because in portions of the Bible, it talks about how we are, we are slaves trying to become free. And then finally, when we find Christ, we are free, but we're free to become slaves to Christ. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it grace. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in, in his train 
and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also ascended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill a whole universe. It was he who gave some to the apostles, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we no longer will be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and crafting of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. We, the body, will grow into the head with one another. I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 29, or excuse me, 25. Therefore, each of you must put falsehood and speak truthfully, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. This on-mission document does not have to be signed by a single one of you. It does not mean that you're a Christian. It does not mean that you're going to heaven. It is a symbol of committing to one another, to being on mission with Family Bible Church, that we will see to it that one another will grow towards Christ, towards the head of this body. I really appreciate Chris sharing that. Um, man, that stuff, I just kind of wonder, when you hear that, is that encouraging to you? Those things are hard. Those are really hard to live out. Um, but I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, man, he's bringing up these awesome passages. I'm going, man, like that's my desire. I love that. I want to do those things. I want you to do those things. I want to, you know, I, I want this body to embrace these concepts and, uh, and to walk this out. I think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, and all of this this morning does not have to necessarily do with conflict. Um, I keep kind of talking about conflict and things like that. Um, I'll tell you where my heart is. My heart is I've been dealing with conflict. I had a terrible week at work. I had conflict coming out my ears. It was horrible. Um, I'm, a, I'm a manager at a, at a manufacturing facility here in town, and um, it was just a hard, hard week. Um, I couldn't get my job done. I was shorthanded, and I had a lot to do, and I couldn't get my job done because I was dealing with conflict um, that pulled me away from the important things that were happening. And um, so my heart all week was, this is terrible. It's not being handled right. And so my heart this morning for our church is, I don't want it to be that way. I don't want us to carry that kind of um, conflict management into our body of believers here. We need to handle these things the right way. But to kind of turn in a corner a little bit, we're going to close with this. Um, I, I want to ask the question, why is unity so hard? And, I, and, and unity, when Jesus was speaking about this, this isn't just about conflicts brother to brother or sister to sister or brother to sister, sister to brother within our little body here. Um, unity is much more than that. Unity is much more than disagreements. We're going to have those. 
Uh, but I want to talk about a few things real quickly about why it's so hard, because it's definitely not easy. There's things that get in our way. So the first thing that I believe uh, that makes unity really hard in this church is this. Uh, I want everybody to look to the person to your right. Good job. Almost everybody got it. Okay, everybody look to the person to your left. Okay, so I think the reason unity is hard is because one out of two of every person that you looked at is a sinner. Sorry, I read that wrong. Two out of two. Okay, we'll get that straight. Two out of two, those people are sinners. Do you realize that Family Bible Church is made up of a bunch of sinners? A bunch of people that just can't get it right. And it's not going to change this side of heaven. We are not going to get everything right. We have an amazing book that tells us all these things. I mean, have you, have you read those things that Chris said? Have you read those lately? Have you re been reminded of that? It's been a while since I've heard a few of those. We have to be reminded of that, but we all have to understand that we are a bunch of sinners that make up this church. And the only thing that makes us any different than any other group is Christ. That's where we're at. Second reason I've been listening to, uh, for months now, um, I've been kind of promoting this, uh, this, this series by a pastor named Matt Chandler, and um, this really got, my, got the wheels spinning for me on, you know, church and community and kind of, um, you know, reading up on this. And uh, so one thing he talks about there, and I think it's, it's true at every church, or I hope it's true at every church, is that um, churches have a bunch of babies, and Scripture's clear about that. And what Matt Chandler says uh, at one point is he says, um, we have babies and if you have a baby at home, you know babies make messes. Babies are disgusting. They don't take care of themselves. They, when they eat, they eat, and then it ends up every inch of their body. It's disgusting. Um, they're not potty trained yet, and that's a whole other thing. The blowouts, you know, you new parents, yeah, have fun with that. Um, so uh, babies are just messy. And so when, it, when the Bible uses that analogy of baby Christians, a baby Christian is someone who's not eating the meat of the word yet. That's a person who, who knows the Lord, who has come to the Lord, um, but they still have those rough edges. And the thing about babies is, uh, is, at least spiritually speaking, is it doesn't have anything to do with age. Uh, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with how, known, how long they've known the Lord. Sometimes a baby Christian is just a baby Christian, and that means that they're still, like, they're still kind of working through and struggling through the basic tenets of what it means to follow Christ. They're still working through, like, you know, what, what is my place with Christ? Uh, what is my place with the church? Um, kind of struggling through, I really, you know, I, I've embraced Jesus, I'm accepting Christ, but, but why does it have to be that way? You know, just really kind of journeying through those things. And, and, and we've got people from, from, from day one coming into the Lord all the way until um, they've been journeying with the Lord for years and they've been walking through Scripture and they've got a good, a good solid basis for what they believe. And all of us fit in in that spectrum somewhere. And so I think sometimes what we do, the problem with not having unity is we look at someone and we say, they should know better. They should act different. They should extend me grace. They've been through this. They've been a Christian longer than I've been a Christian. And why not this? Or we might look at each other and say, well, this person's been a Christian forever, and they're not serving at all. We have to be real careful with that. And I think motives come into play here. And I'll just share briefly about that because I think this is a biggie. Um, I have absolutely no idea what your motivations are for what you do. I can't. I'm not you. I'm not in your head. Uh, sometimes Carrie does things at home that I just what in the world? Why would you do that? You did that because of this, this, and this, and this, and this, and come to find out after um, just a very short period of um, disagreeing between each other, um, I come to realize that, um, okay, it was a completely different perspective. She came about this in a way that I couldn't even fathom. 
And so I encourage each of us, remember that. Remember that motivations are a hard thing to put your finger on. That's why we're to hope and to trust and to love one another. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love always hopes. The last one I want to share with you guys is um, the, one of the reasons why I think unity is so hard is because sometimes we just don't really know. We don't really know how important unity is to Jesus Christ. Now, you may hear this this morning, and you may read that passage in, that we read in, in the Gospel of John and go, I've never heard that before. I never knew that unity was that important to Christ. I had no idea. Well, now we know, right? Now the next step is application. We have to apply it. If you would, the last thing that I want to share with you is in the book of Galatians, because as I mentioned, this is not just about conflict. This is about unity. We're going to go to the last chapter, Galatians chapter 6. Again, Paul writing to the church of Galatia, and um, he sums it up in chapter 6. And I'll read verses 9 and 10, because I think there's another aspect that maybe we sometimes miss, and I want to make sure that we're all on the same page with this. In chapter 6, I want to read verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. So what I want to challenge everybody with this morning is, do you know that you were called to treat the people in the family of God differently than you treat everyone else in your life? Let's read that again and make sure I'm not mixing that up. Verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially the family of believers. The grace that we extend each other and the love that we do for one another and the good that we do for one another, as this passage is talking about, should be magnified in here, in the body of Christ. Those who are of our household of faith. We're to, ha we're to put special preference on these relationships right here. Now, we know that we have the marriage relationship. Scripture's real clear on that. Critical. We know we have the, uh, the family relationship with, with children. We know we have it with fathers, with mothers. Um, all of those things are laid out in Scripture. Uh, but the way that we interact with people outside of those relationships, we should be even magnifying the treatment and the care and the concern and the love and the understanding and the grace with these relationships here. Your relationship with those outside of the household of faith should look a little bit different. And I think that that's okay. And I think that we have to recognize that and say, you know, what am I doing within this community of faith? What am I, what am I doing? Uh, how, am I, how am I really investing in these people? Because I think that God calls us to that because this unity here is what, what he uses to preach the gospel, is one of the ways that he uses to preach the gospel outside. And I'm going to back up just a few more verses and, and end with this. Um, chapter 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So my, um, my final challenge today um, is that we would learn not just how to be united and how we engage with one another and how we interact, um, but how we bear one another's burdens. Um, I'll ask the, the band to go ahead and, and come back up. We're going to close with a song. Um, and this is, uh, this is a little difficult for me to, for me to share, um, just to hold it together, because there's a lot going on, guys. Um, my, uh, my hope and my prayer for this church is that we would join together and, and, and help carry the burdens that are out there right now, because um, there's a lot. Um, it's, it's, it's odd how it seems like even in life, uh, come on up guys, um, it, it seems like in life that things, when one thing happens, everything happens, right? We all experience that. Um, and man, it's like Family Bible Church has gone through this, um, 
has gone through this, this period of time where things, things have been good. You know, we've been plugging along. Um, you know, attendance is fine. You know, we're not, we don't get too worked up about it. But, I mean, people are coming. We're here. We're journeying together. Um, you know, the, the positions in the church are filled. Um, and it just feels like all of a sudden everything just changed. Weird, right? And it was just like one thing after another. You know, we're dealing with, you know, interpersonal stuff. We're dealing with, um, with, with loss. Um, we're dealing with sickness. Um, you know, we're, we're, we know, you know, where we're going this afternoon, and, and, um, and I pray that we're helping to, to, I pray that we're helping to carry that burden, um, and we think about, uh, we think about Dave, who's not with us today, and, uh, that's been a, it's been a rough week there, um, we know Dave's been sick for a long time, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a burden there, um, and, uh, and so, so over this week, and just, you know, praying through these things, and, and, and being where, you know, where I'm at, I just want to challenge everybody, uh, man. We've we've got a lot of work to do, uh, and I really do believe that uh, that through the way that we come together and join, that God would be magnified through that and glorified, and uh, and we don't do it so that uh, so that people will give us praise. Um, we don't want to come together and help to help carry burdens um, and then turn it in um, to the paper so that they can give us accolades and, and say, hey, maybe if people know that we're doing things, more people will come to our church. Uh, may our prayer be that, that, that God would be glorified through that and that people would come to know him through that as we proclaim the gospel together.